Uh, I want to pray again for the message, and we'll pray also for the offering, um, that God would use it for his glory. Heavenly Father, we ask now as we go to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us this morning. I know, Lord, this is a heavy text, but it's in the Bible for a reason. And I thank you that in the midst of righteous judgment, you are still in control. Even when Satan is running amok, you are still God and still in control. Lord, we ask as we go to your word, as the unveiling of Jesus Christ, we'd get to know you better, because to know you better is to love you more. And I pray if anybody's here today that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, soften their hearts, open their eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... All right, so even as we come to this difficult and ominous text, as we're going to look at this morning in the Bible, we must not lose sight of the fact this book continues to be the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Again, in chapter 1, we saw the things which were, again, a picture of Jesus in heaven, the things which are in chapter 2 and 3, the church age. Again, for the church is mentioned 19 times in chapter 2 and 3. At the end of chapter 3, you see John being called up. The word is harpazo, it's a rapturo in Latin, it's where we get the word for rapture. We don't see the church mentioned again from chapter 4, verse 1 through the end of the, uh, end of the book of Revelation when we come back with the Lord. People have different positions on end times, and that's okay, it's not an essential, but they're all going to be glad when we're right. Can I get him into that? Because I, you know, we teach a pre-tribulation or pre-millennial view. I do believe that God is rapturing the church. I think chapter 4, verse 1 is a picture of that. We have people that love Jesus that would differ on us. We love them. We're all family, and we can agree to disagree. Amen? It's all good. So as we get to chapter 4, we began with two chapters of seeing a picture of heaven. And in heaven, we saw that the focal point of heaven is the throne. And around the throne were 24 elders, and around the throne was a rainbow surrounding it, reminding them of God's promises. When we get to chapter 6 and 7, moving forward, we move from the focus on heaven to the focus on earth, and God's righteous judgment coming upon the earth. And so as we get to chapter 9, I want you to know that even as Satan is doing his worst, God will use it for his best. God will use it for his glory. No suffering is wasted. We serve a great and an awesome God. And as we're looking at this morning's chapter, the reason I called it hell on earth, because when, this, when these judgments are coming, it's going to be like hell on earth. It's going to be a place that everybody wants to die and they can't. Death is going to be suspended on this planet for five months where nobody dies. But the judgment of God is falling upon this place in a powerful way. And people would say, why would God continue to bring judgment? Because God's desire is that none should perish, no, not one. Because through his righteous judgment, the hope would be that people would repent and surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Amen? No one's going to stand before God on judgment day and say, I didn't have a chance. We've all had an opportunity. Everyone who goes to hell has to run over the cross of Calvary to get there. And so this morning's text, the we're going to see uh, since the very beginning of when God created man in his image, he placed him upon the earth, and Satan and his demon followers have turned the earth into a, uh, the main battleground in their cosmic war against God by attacking the human race. Satan launched his first assault in the Garden of Eden, where he was successful when he tempted Adam and Eve to disobey God. And Satan's tactics have not changed. Here's the main tactic he has. Did God really say? He always questions the word of God, tries to get people to doubt the word of God. Guys, the word of God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar, amen? And the word of God is true. It's 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents in three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because God wrote the book. And so we open the book and we open it, we read it, we obey it. And even when we get to chapters like chapter 9, there's a lot of churches that skip over Revelation because they don't understand it. I want to tell you something. God gave it to us so we can understand it. Amen? And this book is not that hard to understand. If we do, and, and we do this with Revelation and do this with the whole Bible, take it literal unless it can't be. When Jesus says, I am the door, doesn't mean he's a door. It means he's a pathway. Amen? We know that. But in the Bible, when we see things, we're going to see it this, this morning's text, locusts coming up out of the ground with the faces of men and stinging people till they die, and they won't die. They're just going to be inflicted with pain. And people say, those are Apache helicopters. I think it's locusts that come up out of the ground like the shape of scorpions or faces facing the point. It's what the Bible says. Can I get an Amen. So as we go through this heaviness this morning, it's some heavy stuff. Just remember that 
God's allowing Satan in, in this morning's text to go ahead and, and just be who he is, to bring his attack. And we're going to see it taking place in the chapter. After the fall, God graciously promised a savior who would come and destroy Satan and deliver him from his power. And Satan countered by tempting and drawing men away from God into sin and debauchery. And until God destroyed most of humanity in the flood of Noah, saving only the righteous remnant. See, when we go to the Old Testament, we have New Testament pictures. And why did God bring the flood? Because the nation of the whole world had turned its back on God. And for 120 years, Noah built a boat. And while he was building a boat, he was warning people of the rain to come when it had never rained before. And everybody thought he was crazy until it started raining and it was too late. And the same is true now. When you share your faith with people, people are going to say, people are saying Jesus is coming back for thousands of years. That just means we're a lot closer. Amen? And every day we should live in light of eternity and realize that when we stand for God, we'll be mocked like Noah sometimes. But you know what? No one was mocking Noah when the rain fell. And you know what? The reality is, whether we get mocked or not, we're to point people to the Lord. Satan's torment of righteous Job reveals his hatred for the godly. Remember when he came before the Lord and said, hey, and the Lord said, consider my servant Job. And he said, well, Job loves you because he's rich. Job love loves you because he has a beautiful family. He loves you because everything's good. And as we talk about a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And we find out what's on the inside when we go through some hot water. Amen? And what happened to Job? Satan tried to destroy his faith. And he got God's permission to do everything but kill him. He destroyed his possessions. He killed his children. He ruined his health. And then Job, what he left him was an embittered wife accusatory friends, and unanswered questions of why God will allow it. But Job remained loyal to God, and he did. With Job, Satan continually accuses believers today. You know, when, when the enemy attacks you, he's going to try to get you to doubt the word of God. I want to tell you who, who rarely doubts the word of God. People who read the word of God. You know who doubts it? People who don't read it. People who are biblically ignorant. And we live in a time today when many Christians are biblically ignorant. They don't read the Bible. They're too busy watching Netflix or something else. They're YouTubing into the ground and they don't know what the word of God says. Let's open it. Let's read it. Let's obey it. Can I get an amen to that? Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. We need to be in God's word. And the enemy will attack us like he does Job. He'll try to take away the things that are dear to us, but it only can happen if God allows it. And we find out where we are in our faith when the things that are dear to us are taken away from us. We can either run to God or we can run from him. And guys, I want to tell you, it's always worthy, it's all, he's always worthy for us to run to him. And he's a loving God and he's a faithful God and we can praise him no matter what. Amen? Satan also hates Israel. They, can you, Israel's the size of like New Jersey. And it's the focal point of the entire world. And can you imagine if... That's the Canal Valley was surrounded by the Nazis and uh, Al Qaeda and the Taliban, and they all wanted us dead. Well, that's Israel. But you know what? Israel's not going anywhere because God's not done with Israel, and they're God, still God's chosen people, and God's still got a plan for them. Amen? And as if you were here a couple weeks ago, you saw the 144,000, 12,000 each of the 12 tribes of Israel that will be the missionaries during the Great Tribulation that will be spreading the gospel. And I believe millions, if not tens of millions of Jewish people, along with Gentiles, will get saved during the Great Tribulation. And that's why God suffers long, because he wants to wait till that last person gets saved. Amen? That's the God that we serve. So as we're looking at the heaviness of the judgment that's coming, just recognize this is one more opportunity for people to get saved. Get saved. A long and relentless war was waged against Jesus by even the Jewish leaders. You know, abortion's not by chance because Satan's plan has always been to kill children. When Moses was going to be raised up by God as a future deliverer, Satan used the Pharaoh, to kill all the babies under the age of two, but somehow Moses escaped. When Jesus was born, Herod made a claim to kill all the babies because he wanted to stop the deliverer. 
But we all know that, of course, the Lord was delivered and the Lord was safe. And guys, it's no, no different today. Satan seeks to steal, to kill, and destroy. But here's the good news. No matter what Satan does, God wins in the end. I read the end of the book. God wins. He's a faithful God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's all-knowing. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Satan is a defeated foe. And as heavy as this morning's text is going to be, I pray you walk out of here recognizing our God is in control and we serve a great and an awesome God. Amen? He oversees all of us. He knows what's best for us. And in, again, in the future, Satan will serve God's purposes by being permitted to launch another deadly assault. He, he went after Adam and Eve. He was after the people during the days of Noah. He went after the time of Jesus through the Jews. He's after Israel today. He's after all of us. But we have, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind because we know who's in control. Amen. But there's a future coming when Satan's going to be released, and that's what we're going to see tonight. So as we come to the fifth trumpet, we saw that, they, that the seven seal judgments, the last seal, inside the seventh seal is all the trumpet and the bowl judgments. We saw the first four bowl judgments, and we saw that those were all dealing with the ecology of the world, how the world's going to have destruction brought upon it. Third of the world's water will be bittered and be embittered. There'll be huge earthquakes that move mountains and islands. Uh, the fresh water will be bitter. The, the salt water will be filled with blood. I mean, it just talks about how desperate that time's going to be when the ecology of the world is going to be again attacked. And as I mentioned last week, people are worried about global warming. Global warming is not going to be the problem for this planet. It's going to be God's righteous judgment. Amen. And if you're worried about global warming, can I encourage you to start worrying about the eternal warming that you will be facing if you don't give your life to Jesus? Can I get an amen to that? It's not quite the Mother's Day message I brought my mom for. <laughs> Grab your outline. Let's go through this and we'll get into the text. So I tell the message, happy Mother's No, it says, hell on earth. Tell the message is hell on earth. Recognizing the sovereignty of God, even in the attacks of the enemy, and knowing that God is still in control. So even when the enemy attacks, God is still in control. We need to praise him no matter what. As Satan does his worst, God will use it for his best. Now, I usually do an applicational outline. This one is more observational, because these are the four things we're going to see in these first 12 verses. First of all, Satan opens the pit. You ever heard the term pit of hell? It's a real thing. The pit's going to open and demons are coming out. Now, again, we'll be in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? If you're here for this, it's only because you're rejecting Jesus now. And we need to pray for those that will still be here. And why do we need to know this? We need to understand what the future holds. We need to be willing to love people enough to tell them the truth. People say, well, Pastor Dave, why would you talk about hell? Because I'd rather warn you about it than have you experience it. Because hell is real. And hell is a place that was created for the enemy and all that follow him. We're going to see that Satan opens the pit, but only after Almighty God has given him the key. This bottomless pit is the abode, abode of the demonic. Remember when, Jesus was, when, uh, Jesus, when Lucifer was thrown out of heaven, a third of the angels went with him. He tried to overthrow God, and those that followed him are now what we call the fallen angels, but we refer to them today as demons. And so they have one goal, to steal, kill, and destroy. They want you all dead. They want you all tormented. They know where, where their future is, and they want all of you, to, as many as possible, of you to go with them. And if they can't destroy you, they'll do everything they can to distract you from doing what God's called you to do. We need to recognize we are in a spiritual battle, but we don't have to focus on it. Why? Because we know that God is greater than any enemy that can come against us, and we just need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? Point number two, Satan's demonic army is let loose upon the earth. The good news is God controls who they cannot touch and who they can touch, and he will be, only for how long they will be permitted to be upon the earth wreaking havoc. We've talked about this in the last two weeks. Remember, those that follow the Antichrist take the mark of the what? Mark of the beast. But those who are faithful to the Lord, 
take a mark, it's called a ta, and the ta is in the shape of a cross. So everybody will have on their forehead or their wrist, and the, the, the forehead will have a cross, a T, looks like a cross if you're a follower of Christ and you've surrendered to him. And the others will have the mark of the beast. And so those that have the mark of the beast will be able to buy and sell and to live amongst the world. And those that don't will face great persecution. But in this case, God's going to allow the enemy to come, but they're not going to be able to touch those that have the mark of the cross. Because again, even though the church has been removed, there are believers that have been born again during that time. And God is going to protect his children from these demonic attacks. Number three, Satan's demonic army is powerful, ominous, and downright scary. But to God, they're simply tools in his hands who can be used for his intended purposes. And again, those marked with the cross were protected from the enemy. And then finally, Satan's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. And God desires that sinners come to repentance. Jesus came that you might have life and life more abundant, and Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And yet we're living in a time today where there's more Satan worship maybe than ever. You see it on award shows. They just worship Satan. They talk about Satan. You've got people that lining up with Satan, singing songs. When I was in high school, ACDC, do they have any songs not about hell? Hell's Bells, Sin City, Devil Gonna Get You, right? This whole program. And you got people walking around singing this song about the devil. And you're like, you have no idea who you're praising right now. Amen? And guys, we need to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to fall into the trap where we're honoring the very things that Satan is trying to use to draw you away from the Lord. Amen? God's told us to love, but we, there's somebody we can't hate, and it's the devil. Amen? And he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. We'll talk more about him. So let's begin there in verse 1, looking at hell on earth. I didn't come for that. Verse 1, Satan opens the pit. I, just can, I, I can hear at brunch today, so what was church about? <laughs> you gather with your kids and grandkids. Well, it's about Satan opening up a pit. Okay. When he opened the seventh seal, who opened it? Remember that when he had the... When they had the scroll, which is the ownership papers of earth, no one could open it, and they were grieving, and then Jesus is the one that's opening it. So he's opening the seventh seal. So the fifth of the seven angels who stand before God sounded his trumpet. Remember last week, there was an angel who had a trumpet, and when they would blow their trumpet, each of those trumpets would mean the opening of another form of judgment. Marking the beginning of the fifth trumpet judgment, the first four again were, again, we saw the the tyranny of the Antichrist, we saw war, we saw famine, we saw death on the earth. The first four trumpets, we saw the destruction of vegetation, then the seas, then fresh water, and then the skies. And the last three seals focus on heaven, the crying of the martyrs, the cosmic disturbances, and the heavenly prelude to the seven trumpets. The last three trumpets will speak of hell in terms of the demonic. Now notice what it says. He opened the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven. Oh, that's chapter eight. Sorry about that. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Who's that? It's Lucifer. The star fallen. It doesn't say falling. He had already fallen. So when he was in heaven, most of you, do you know this, that Satan, most people believe, was not only the most beautiful of all the angels, but was probably the worship leader. And so he was leading worship of the true and living God, and he became envious. And then he wanted the worship to be focused on him. He wanted to focus off of God and on him. And that's exactly what's taking place in the world today. People don't think about the Lord, the focus is all on us. I want to make it all about me. How many followers do I have? Let me send you 47 pictures of my hair this morning because you're all really interested, right? And this whole thing where we think it's all about us and everybody's thinking, first of all, no one's thinking about you because they're all thinking about themselves. Can I get an amen to that? Everybody's got me, myself, and I on my mind. Well, that was Satan. Satan was 
being used by God in heaven. He was worshiping the true living God, and he turned the focus off of God and onto himself. And that's exactly what's happening in our world today. Everyone wants to take the focus off of God and put the focus back on self. God is the one who defines what a man or a woman is. Amen? But we're living in a world that says, well, I get to define for myself. God's the one who de decides what marriage is. And the world says, no, I want to define it for myself. And God determines what's right and wrong. And they say, oh, no, no, I want to define it for myself. Guys, either God is the authority of your life or you are the authority. And if God's not the authority, trouble's coming. Amen? You're outside of God's will and you're living contrary to his ways. It says, I saw that star. And again, John didn't see a star falling, but one that had already fallen. In his visions, John had already seen several heavenly bodies plunge to the earth, meteors and asteroids and comets. And this star is not an, uh, an inanimate object, but is an angel being, notice it says her, him, referring to him, not it. So it's not a, an actual star like what had fallen previously. And he said to have fallen to the earth suggest that this is a reference again to Lucifer, the leader of all the fallen angels. It says this in Isaiah 14, describes his fall. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Satan's favorite word was I. I will, I will. Guys, it's not I will, it's thy will. We don't put the focus on ourselves. The focus needs to be on the Lord and him alone. And, that, and it's interesting in the English language anyway, I is the center letter in both pride and sin, amen? And that's where it originates when the focus is on us, when the focus should be on the Lord. It says there at the end of that verse, to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit, the pit of the abyss, refers to the abode of the demonic, abode fallen of fallen angels. Again, when Satan fell from heaven, a third of the angels went with him. How many is that? We don't know, but it's, it's a huge number. It's certainly millions of angels that had fallen and are now demons. In Luke 8, it says, Jesus commanding the demons to come out of the demonic in Gadaree, they begged him that he would not command them to go into the, the abyss. Hell is no joke. Even the demons don't want to be there. You hear jokes about hell all the time. You know, people say, well, you know what? Heaven's just people on harps floating around. Hell sounds like party town. I'm going to have more time fun down there. You know, people say, I'm going I'm to spend the first thousand years shaking hands with all my friends. Let me tell you right now, we're going to get a picture of hell, a little bit picture of hell on earth in this morning's text. And I want you to know the glimpse we're going to get is nothing compared to the real hell. And if you read Luke 16, Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man is in torment, and he's just crying out that maybe Lazarus could just put a drop of water on his tongue. And when he tells him that he can, he says, go back and tell my family. Go back and tell my family. I don't want them coming here. See, nobody in hell is happy to be there. Everyone who's hell would do anything they could to get out of there. And the reality is the only time we can escape hell is in the here and now. Amen. So he desires that none should perish. No, not one. He, he wants to have intimate fellowship with you. And so we need to get right with the Lord before we get left. Amen? Revelation 20 tells this is where Satan will be bound during the millennial kingdom. Now, there are people that believe we're in the millennial kingdom right now. It's called the preterist view. Like everything happened in AD 70, and they think everything in the book of Revelation already happened. Well, that's just plain stupid. Love you guys who believe that. God bless you, but... That would mean that Satan is chained right now. Does it seem like Satan's chained? If he is, he's on an awful long chain. Amen? Lion laying down with lambs right now? Kids playing at the viper's nest? Are we seeing God ruling and reigning on the... That's not the case. And again, people who believe that, we love him, God bless him, it's okay. All right? But it doesn't line up with the book of Revelation. It just doesn't. And so we know that this is a time when Satan is running amok. And right now, as the Lord's return comes back closer, he is more and more proactive in trying to bring destruction upon this earth. Are you not seeing things today on our planet you never ever in a million years thought you would see? 
Does it not blow your mind to see how far away we're getting from the word of God? This is not by chance. And the more demonic the world becomes, the closer we are to the Lord coming back. See, it's cast into the bottomless pit and shut up with a seal during the millennial kingdom. Again, he will deceive nations no more. So the bottomless pit, it's an abyss. It's a place of both torment and imprisonment of the demons. And during the seven-year tribulation, Satan is not bound there yet. So it's going to happen during the millennial reign. He's at the end of his time when these things are taking place, and he's going to do all he can to get as many people to go to hell with him as possible. Notice instead that a key to this abode of the demons is given to Satan. In Jude 6, it describes these fallen angels. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. There's a day coming still for judgment for those who have rejected God, be it in heaven like the fallen angels or the people here on earth. It says in 2 Peter chapter 2, For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains to the darkness to be reserved for judgment. Guys, it's important to notice that Satan can only do what God allows him to do. Just like when he came and said, Job, I'm going to go after him. The Lord said, you can, you can do anything you want, just can't kill him. And he was restricted in what he could do. And the same is true now. So even though it's the enemy who attacks, if the Lord allows it, God will use it for his glory if we will let him. Amen? And he will not be allowed to do more than God allows him to do. The only way we can get our, our, our arms wrapped around this kind of stuff, because for some people it's so hard to understand, why would God allow it? Guys, we need to have an eternal perspective. Amen? To me, to me, you guys know this. My 28-year-old son went to heaven 20 months ago. Hurts me every day. My wife's struggling today. It's Mother's Day. Miss our son. But here's what I also know. Much as we love our son, God loves him more. As much as we loved having our son here, he's way better off where he is. And we're going to see him again. Now see, I couldn't wrap my arms around that if I only thought about the temporal. It's not fair. I miss my son. I don't want this. Whatever you've gone through in your life, the trials that you go through, it's hard, it's difficult. But if we focus on the temporary, we'll get mad at God. If we're focused on the eternal, we'll be praising God. We'll be thanking him, amen? Praise him no matter what. He's a faithful God. He knows what he's doing. Heaven's better, amen? Way better. I'm ready, I'm ready. How about you? I, 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 tell, I say this every week. The Bible tells us that he's not gonna rapture the church to the last of the Gentiles get saved. So if it's you, let's be about it today. Can I get an amen to that? Because we could, we could have Mother's Day in heaven. I'm good with that. So though Satan had been given the key to the abode of the demons, he will only be able to open it when it serves God's purposes for him to do so. And while some of the demons roam free upon the earth and are able to do so only what God allows, only believe that if the most wicked and vile demons, many people believe that these ones are let out of the pit, are the most wicked and vile ones that are being held back. And when this pit opens up and they come out in the thousands, if not millions, as they come pouring out upon the earth, an earth that's already seen 120-pound health stones falling from the sky, that's already seen a third of the world's population dying a single day, it's already seen the destruction of the vegetation and the, the water is bitter and, and you know, scalding heat upon the earth. And all of a sudden, these guys come out and start wreaking havoc, even more so than anything anybody's seen yet. And people, again, will wonder, why would God allow this? Because people, there will be people that will get saved finally. The ones that said 120-pound hailstones, they're, they're hiding in holes. They know it's coming from God. They're wishing for death. And it's going to take this moment to get them to look up and finally repent. Then it says in verse 2, And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. So this resounding heat comes up out of the ground and the smoke is so thick that it darkens the light that comes from the sun. So darkness and scalding heat, what does that sound like? Lancaster, no, hell. <laughs> I used to live there, it's okay. 
The smoke of the furnace, the word furnace there is for smelting iron or burning earthen vessels. Intense heat and smoke that comes billowing out of the center of the earth. And so much so that the sun and the earth were darkened because of the smoke from the pit. So much smoke will pour out again that the sun will be darkened. It makes us think, you know, the only thing I saw near to this, my wife and I lived in Washington in the 80s and they had, remember, Mount St. Helens. And the ashes came all the way down. I think some made it all the way down here. And these ashes went into the sky and they darkened the sun. Well, take that and multiply it by I don't know how many thousands and have that coming out of the ground and have a bunch of demons running with it. That's going to take place upon the earth. The smoke polluting the sky symbolizes the corruption of hell belched forth from the abyss to pollute the world. And the pit is opened, unlocking the power of hell upon a rebellious world. Remember that before we get to this place, they've been given time and time and opportunity and opportunity to receive the Lord. And they've continued to shake their fist at God. They continue to deny who he is. They continue to mock God. And the judgment is coming. And again, people will say, why don't he just put them straight into hell? Well, he's going to give them a picture of hell, which is one opportunity to be saved. And when those people reject it, they're going to spend eternity there and they'll be able to blame no one. We don't want to see anybody in hell. Amen. We want to see people saved, and so does our Lord, but God will give people what they ask for. So point number one there, Satan opens up the pit, but only after Almighty God gives him the key. And again, Satan had fallen with a third of the angels, and they've all been loosed upon the earth in the middle of the great tribulation. Point number two, Satan's demonic army is let loose upon the earth. Look what it says in verse three. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was great power as the scorpions of the earth have power. So these locusts come out of the ground and out of the vast billowing ominous smoke that darkened the sky and caused panic among the earth's inhabitants, John sees a new terror emerge. These locusts are insects known to completely wipe out all, vegeta all vegetation in their path. And one of the plagues God poured out on unrepentant Egypt. But these locusts are not concerned about vegetation. They just want to kill people. And they're going to come out, out of the ground with the sting of a scorpion, they'll have a sting like a scorpion does, and that sting is going to be brought nonstop upon the people on the earth. We're going to find out in a minute, it's only going to be on those who rejected God. Now, while the godly are going to face decapitation, while the godly are going to be martyred in huge numbers, they're going to be martyred by the world. But when the Lord allows the enemy to come out of the abyss, they're only allowed during this five-month period to touch those who have rejected God. The people who have the mark of the Lord will not be touched. So they're not just natural locusts. They're far worse. They're far worse. Anybody ever run from a locust? No. I mean, we talked about the fear of the lamb. When the lamb gets angry. Have you ever seen an angry lamb in your life? It just goes to show you that when the demonic takes place, it's pretty radical. We had a church softball game the other night, and, and uh, there are people that run from locusts because a little, uh, little camper, Judah, had a grasshopper chasing all the girls away, and they were running away screaming. <laughs> and I thought, and that's a real locust. I can't imagine a demon with a face on it chasing people, right? So these are the vile demon who take on the visible form resembling locusts, swarming out of the abyss to plague the earth. And like locusts, they will bring swarming destruction. But as we will see from their description, they are not natural locusts. Notice what it says about them. It says there at the end of verse 3, And to them was given power as scorpions of the earth have power. A natural locust has a, the ability when in large numbers again to bring massive destruction upon plant life. But that's not their plan this time. These locusts will have the power to inflict pain. Scorpion stings. Anybody ever been stung by a scorpion? How was that? There you go. And you know what? Most of us have not been stung because if you see it coming, you don't get near it. Amen? When I lived in Lancaster, and I did, we would see scorpions on our driveway. And that's when you go get the sledgehammer. That's when you use the boot of correction on the, right? But the point is that scorpions, when they sting, it's painful. But this pain is going to be far beyond anything an earthly scorpion would do. This is one that comes out of the abyss. Symptoms of a sting from one of the potentially deadly species includes 
severe convulsions, paralysis, deep trouble breathing. Combining in the description of the demons, both locusts and scorpions, indicates that the deadliness of the demon invasion, devouring everything in their path, inflicting pain so severe that men will be crying out to escape the excruciating pain. They'll say, just let me die. They're just going to want to die, and they won't be able to. That sounds like hell, doesn't it? The idea is simply that as part of the judgment of the great tribulation, God will allow demonic hordes previously imprisoned to descend upon the earth like a swarm of uh, destructive locusts, inflicting severe pain upon the unrepentant and rebellious. And notice how God limits who they can and cannot touch. Look at verse 4. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, which has already been destroyed in a heavy way from the previous uh, judgments, or any green thing or any tree, but only these men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So remember that we know the 144,000 will all have the seal of God on their foreheads, and other believers who have chosen to follow the Lord will have a seal on their foreheads. And while they can be judged by the men of the world, at this point when this judgment of the demonic comes up out of the ground, that they will not be touched because God's not done with them yet. You may have heard this term, we're indestructible until God's through with us. Amen? There's nothing the world can do to us unless the Lord allows it. And if the Lord is using you, as long as you're in the, you know, as long as God's using you, you're indestructible. Now that being said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Amen? Well, I'm indestructible until the Lord's through with me. Don't play on the freeway. He may be through with you. Amen? <laughs> These demonic beings were not to follow the focus of the first four trumpet judgments, again, destroying creation. Instead, they were coming after men. But notice, not all men. Again, who are the sealed? The 144,000 Jewish evangelists, only them for sure. But while the group may also include others who have been saved, it says in 2 Timothy 2.19, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows who are his. God knows you belong to him. Amen? And God's put his stamp upon you. Now, we don't have a mark on our foreheads, but according to Ephesians chapter one, we've been given a down payment on heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. And it talks about the fact the Holy Spirit has sealed us. We've been blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, and assured. And that assurance comes from the down payment on heaven. The Holy Spirit's come to live inside of us. And that's how we know that we belong to him. Amen? That's why when we sin, we feel convicted because we have a relationship with the true and living God. The final plague in Egypt, the blood of the lamb in the shape of what? Cross. And the angel of death passed over. Now we fast forward to the middle of the great tribulation. And how does the angel of death pass over those who have the mark of the cross? Amen? Ezekiel 3 speaks of this mark. And again, the, word, the letter in Hebrew is ta. It's a small uh, T, and looks like the shape of a cross. And those marked with this cross are spared from the righteous judgment of God, and those with the mark of the beast, thus aligning themselves with both the Antichrist and Satan, will endure this judgment. So these that align with Satan, Satan's going to kill them. See, people think if they align with Satan, somehow they'll get favor from Satan, and they may for a temporary amount of time, but Satan's desire is always to destroy people. And people give their souls to the enemy, and they think, that it will deliver them from the ultimate harm. It's only going to hasten it. Verse 5 it says there, And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. So here's what's going to be happening. These demonic locusts coming out of the ground with the faces of men, as we'll see, are going to be stinging people, but they're not allowed to kill them. They're only allowed to torment them. So for five months, those with the mark of the beast are going to be repeatedly stung by these locusts that will come up out of, the, out of the pit. And they're going to sting them over and over. And even though no doubt they will want death, they cannot escape it. And again, because that, that torment will continue to come upon them. Their purpose and period of time is expressly governed by God. He lets them know they can only do this for five months. You know what's interesting? You know how long locusts, when they swarm, you know how long they live? Five months. Bible rocks. Can I get an amen? 
Nothing, nothing new under the sun. The devil nor his followers can do anything without God's permission. They could torment men, but they were unable to kill them, much like what happened to Job. Here we see the true colors of the demonic realm as they come forth from the pit. They would kill even their most ardent followers if they could. Having no authority to kill them, they torture them for as long as that, that God will allow them. And few things are sadder than to see people in the ignorance or straight rebellion pledge their allegiance to the very one who just wants to kill them. When I was a youth pastor, I'd have kids come in and try to shock the youth pastor. And at one point, we had this kid at Calvary Chapel, San Jose, and he came in, and he had had horns implanted in his forehead. And he had his tongue slit. And he was wearing a very demonic shirt, and he thought he was going to come in, and I'm going to show you a youth pastor. Yeah, take me to youth group. That's how that goes. And he comes in, and he's being all, yeah, you know, I'm just like, what's up, bro? What's your name, man? We just start talking about Jesus. And he goes, yeah, well, I'm a follower of Satan. I go, how's that working out, bro? How's that going for you, man? I said, Satan just wants to kill you. You're aligning himself with somebody who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He just wants to torture you. He wants to torment you. He may give you something in the temporary physical, because that's what Satan does. He's a liar. He's a father of lies. And he wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He hates you. And the Lord loves you. Satan wants to kill you, and Jesus died for you. Choose one to follow. Amen. You know, over time, that young man came back a few times, and one time he came in, and all of a sudden the horns weren't in his forehead anymore, and he wasn't wearing demonic shirts anymore, and I ended up baptizing him. So, that, so here's the thing. People can, align, people can align with Satan, but until they die, it's not too late. Come on, amen? So when you see people getting caught up in this nonsense, we need to pray for them. We need to let them know there's hope, and the hope's in Jesus, who came that you might have life and life more abundant. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. That's the God that we serve. And the enemy, we just see his entire motive here, destruction. It's all he wants to do. By the way, he wants to destroy the American, he wants to destroy the family more than almost anything, amen? If he can take dads out of homes, he can destroy the whole family. If he destroys marriage, that's why all of his attacks are on the things that are in the book of Genesis. Jesus said of, the devil, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life more abundant. Satan always hides the hook as he tries to lure people. He uses a lot of different lures, everything from physical pleasure to spiritual enlightenment. He, uh, he plays on the discouraged and depressed in hopes that they will remain in that state of constant depression and hopelessness. And you know what Satan's ultimate goal is? That you would commit suicide. Drugs in the Bible, pharmakia, that is the word for sorcery in Scripture. It's one of the, Satan's greatest tools is drugs. Because what does it do? It's relieving the pain instead of recognizing that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Amen? And then when people are depressed or anxious, and I know this from my own son, when they're going through that torment, what does the enemy do? He wants you to run to something that will give you temporary relief without telling you that it might take your life or it make, it's going to cause things to be even worse. Amen? So when Satan, he's just a liar. Whatever he tells you, whatever he gives you, it's only going to bring your destruction. It's only going to separate you from the Lord. See, Satan wants to be worshipped. And again, sadly, much of today's worship honors Satan. Amen? Just honoring him. The Columbine killers, I know it's going way back. They listen to Marilyn Monroe. Why did he name himself Marilyn Monroe? Uh, Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Monroe committed suicide, and, and then he named himself the other half after Charles Manson. So somebody committed suicide and someone who was a mass murderer, and that's totally demonic. Amen? And you know that, that the guys from Columbine, they listened to his music over and over and over, and he had songs called Kill, Kill, Kill. And they went out and they did exactly what that music influenced them to do. And guys, there's nothing new under the sun. It just continues. Amen? And we're living in a time where, guys, you know, Charles uh, um, Marilyn Manson was a self-proclaimed priest of the Church of Satan, would mutilate himself on stage, would rip up Bibles, would spew blasphemies against the Lord, his altar calls at concerts to accept Satan, his song, Kill, Kill, Kill. Now, thankfully, he's not around that much anymore, but guys, let's be careful by what we're entertained by, amen? Because worship was, music was created to worship the Lord, amen? And I, my prayer is that we be careful in what we listen to, and as parents... May we be the ones that, are not, that, that take control of that in our own home. 
My son's here visiting for Mother's Day. He will tell you, I would take their stuff. Because yeah, reality is, again, and as he's a dad now too, if our kids, our kids, this is not a democracy in our house. Can I get an amen to that? There's no voting. Be the parents, amen? I will check your stuff. I will look at your phone. I will take your phone. I will look at, you know, amen? You can't open my, I will open your mail. I will do all of that. Can I get an amen to that? Because we all, all, all the, the, this next generation needs parents who love their kids enough to protect them from that stuff, amen? And we, and we need to do that. Again, hell is joked about, but there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is a place of intense heat, an unquenchable lake of fire, eternal torment, weeping and gnashing of teeth, of eternal separation from Almighty God, with total memory of every time you've rejected God's grace upon the earth. Let me contrast them both quickly. Hell, weeping, heaven, worshiping. Hell, eternal torment, heaven, everlasting joy. Hell, the lake of fire, heaven, the throne of God. Hell, Satan and his demons. Heaven, Almighty God and the angelic hosts. Hell, cries of anguish. Heaven, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more death. Hell, suffering with no end in sight. Heaven, rejoicing with our eyes firmly focused on God. Heaven is God's plan for creation. Hell is Satan's abode. Amen? Where do you want to spend eternity? Smoking or non-smoking, amen? <laughs> Satan's ultimate desire is to destroy people and to take many people to hell with him as he possibly can by any means necessary. Praise God that his actions are under God's control, amen? It says there in verse 6, In those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, but death will flee from them. They're going to have this time where it's so torturous they just want to check out. Isn't that what Satan tells people that commit suicide? They think, if I kill myself, I will rid myself of this pain. And the reality is, if they don't know the Lord and they kill themselves, the pain is only going to increase and be eternal. Amen? This is why we need to pay, take people's depression seriously. Can I get an amen to that? People are anxious, depressed, struggling with mental illnesses of whatever kind, we need to be the most loving, kind, and gracious people and be available to them and take it serious and minister to them any way that we can. Amen? And be praying for divine appointments and opportunities to do so. And so this, the, the, heavily, the heavy part of this whole thing, again, is that in those days, they're going to want to die and they're not going to be able to. And again, that's a picture of what hell is like. In that day, the eyes of those who dwell on the earth, all hope is gone the earth will have loved and worshipped, will have been utterly devastated. The land will be ravaged by earthquakes and volcanoes. The sea filled with, with uh, petri putrefying bodies of billions of dead creatures. Much of the fresh water supply turned into bitter poison. The atmosphere polluted with gases and showers of heavenly debris. Then worst of all will come the foul smoke of the pit of hell as demons are released to spiritually and physically torment those who have refused to repent and remain in their sin. And the dream of a worldwide utopia under the leadership of the Antichrist will have been long gone by then. Because he's going to come and promise something so good, and it's going to end in disaster. Driven mad by the filth and vileness of the demon infestation, people will seek to relieve themselves through death, but death will be on a holiday. They will not be able to die. The tormented one will want to die, as Paul did in Philippians. Again, but for Paul, death led to eternal blessings, but for these, it's eternal torment. The eye of death as an escape is a demonic deception. It is, we're not going to finish, so don't, don't panic. It is very same enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, who seeks to deceive those who are hurting, angry, or depressed. The death is an escape from their current trial and circumstance to a far better place, is what their thought process is. You know, the guys from, again, I'm going way back, but the guys from Columbine, they wrote letters after they died. They talked about their worship of Satan, and they told their parents, don't worry, mom and dad, we're going to a better place after they slaughtered people. The enemy's a liar, guys. Amen? What a tragic deception to think on the day you commit terrible murders that you will go to a better place. There's no escape in death for those that reject the Lord, nor is there an escape for anyone who believes that a better place can be found apart from brokenness and repentance. The cure for desperate, desperate anxiety, uh, depression, despair, 
is not suicide. It's entering into a love relationship with the one who created you, who died for you, and who longs to have intimate fellowship with you. Amen? Guys, there is hope. If you're feeling hopeless for whatever reason, the hope is found in Jesus. It doesn't mean that when you give your life to Jesus, you won't have moments of hopelessness still, because you will, because you're still living in this flesh. You're still going to have times when you're struggling maybe with depression or anxiety, even though you know the Lord. Because again, we still carry this dead carcass around, amen? And as long as we're living on this planet, we're going to deal with some of that. But the difference is, we need, we need to remind ourselves by getting on our... When that depression comes, we know it comes from the enemy. Let's run to the Lord. Amen? Let's pick up the phone and call another brother or sister in Christ to pray for us. Let's open up the Word of God. Let's drop to our knees and pray and ask the Lord for help. Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? And He can tri- he'll triumph over all of those struggles that we have in this life. It's Mother's Day. I'm not going to go over. Okay? I'm just not. And that was enough for, uh, for today, wasn't it? Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to go skipping down the hill to my cart. <laughs> People are going, do I have to come next week to hear the rest of this? Guys, you know what? It's so much better to be warned about what's coming than to experience it. Amen? And here's the point. Why should we know so we can warn others? Because other people need to know what the future holds if you don't give your life to Jesus, if you don't surrender your life to him. So we saw that Satan opens up a pit, but only after Almighty God has given him the key. We see that uh, the angels that fell from heaven, they're going to come out in force. They're going to be inflicting pain on, God's pe- on, on people, not God's people. And they're going to not be able to die. It's going to be torment. It's going to be heat. It's going to be smoke. It's going to be no escape. It really is a picture of hell on earth. And that time of hell on earth is a time to repent. So we'll never have to spend eternity in hell. It's kind of warm in here today, right? Aren't you glad you're not going to hell? Can I get an amen to that? I've longed for the day when we be in the presence of Almighty God. How about you? No more pain, no more sorrow, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more fear, no more worry, no more carrying this body around that's falling apart. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. And Lord, we just thank you for the promise of eternal life, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. The Bible tells us if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do so right now. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. But for that to happen, we must truly, to make that proclamation, we need to repent. What repent means to change your mind or to turn around. It means you're headed in one direction away from the Lord, living your own life with you on the throne. You're the authority of your life. You're living your own way. You've rejected the Lord. The word repent means to turn around and recognize it's time for me to surrender my life fully to God, to make him not just my savior, delivering me from hell fire, but the Lord of my life. If that's your desire here this morning, You want to surrender your life to Jesus. You recognize you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you want to surrender your life to Him. And if you do so, God knows your heart. Your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You'll be a new creation in Christ. He will never leave you nor forsake you, and you will have the promise of heaven. If that's your desire, I want you to raise your hand right where you are, and I will pray with you. Anybody at all, don't leave here without the Lord. Loves you so much, you'd rather die than live without you. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said.